everybody, and welcome back to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. It's Friday. And that means it's Godzilla. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. I write for The Wrap. I write for Slash Film. I write for The Film Verdict. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. I write for Slash Film all day. <laughs> all day, every day. By all day, every God, day. God, you yeah. are a dynamo. I admire you. And uh, uh, this is our Godzilla show. This is where we review every single Godzilla and Godzilla-adjacent movie in order. And uh, we, we today... <laughs> we, we got a fun one today. We, 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 we hit a silly one. Um, I, I want to say hmm. that uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon yes. has one of the best posters of all time. Agreed. Uh now, the film does not take place in the United States, but the poster does, because the poster <laughs> takes place on the roofs of the World Trade Towers. Yes, with Godzilla on one tower and Megalon on the other. Yeah, and they're fighting each other, mm-hmm. one standing on each roof, and there's, you know, planes flying around and shooting yeah. at him like King Kong. Uh, it's an awesome scene. It's very evocative. Nothing nearly that exciting happens in this movie. <laughs> But golly, this is a ball of goof. This is often considered one of the worst Godzilla movies. I still think All Monsters Attack might be one of the worst ones, although we had a really interesting conversation I, about it. I, I will say this, and again, you've seen all of these movies I haven't. Yeah. Uh, all Monsters Attack is not, in many respects, a well-made film, mm. but it was an interesting film. And when we hit Godzilla versus Megalon, now again, we've been tracking the trajectory of Godzilla from a salient and sober metaphor for nuclear devastation Mm -hmm. into uh, uh, sort of a weird sort of monster universe where he interacts with a whole bunch of different monsters and gradually and begrudgingly does some sort of heroic thing. He becomes sort of an anti-hero. Yeah. At this point, Godzilla is absolutely a superhero par excellence, at least in terms of what he gets done. Uh, But also at this point, even more so than All Monsters Attack, which was literally about like a child imagining going to a monster uh, monster island. uh, This is a kid's movie. This is an unabashed Uh, Godzilla for small children movie. I I feel like... um... And we've talked about sort of the difference between sort of the two main directors of these movies, although there have been more than two. Um, There have been, but there have been two main ones. It's been mostly Ishiro Honda. He's done the vast bulk of these. And just recently, uh, we've seen several films from director Jun Fukuda. Yeah. Uh, It was also Yoshimitsu Banno for Godzilla vs. Hidora, the smog monster. Mm -hmm. And I forgot the director from Godzilla Raids again. That was not Ishiro Honda. Oh, yeah, you're right. Let me look at Um, that. That's worth knowing. Uh... But yeah, uh, Motoyoshi Oda. Motoyoshi Oda. Um, I I always held that the Godzilla movies, even the ones directed by Ishiro mm-hmm. Honda, especially around like floating around uh, uh, destroy all monsters, which to me is still mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. Uh, still have a kind of wondrous little kid appeal. Mm-hmm. Like a little kid could watch these movies and just be awestruck. Yeah. By these titans. Or you could at least identify with having, like, small toys and you're giant and you're walking around. uh, Yeah, there's this weird, uh, strange alchemy in these Godzilla movies because they are these salient metaphors for uh, 
nuclear devastation. Mm-hmm. A little bit later, they turn into uh, metaphors for the Japanese national character, I think. Uh, and then... Uh, but even embedded within those things is this idea that you are kind of watching guys in suits stepping yeah. on toys. Well, and that's that's appealing to both like the adult side of your brain and the kid side of your brain. And we can look at that the way we look at mm-hmm. most blockbusters nowadays. Yeah. Where, yeah, there's a story, there's a narrative, there are themes, but we're here to see CG superheroes wail on each other. Yeah, yeah. And that's a part of it. That Fist is lines. a part of yeah, the and, appeal. And, you know? and I feel like... Um, Ishido Honda found like such a really nice balance. Even with you know, good films and bad films, he mm. was kind of. Oh, excuse me. Um, Ebita Horror of the Deep was also not Ishido Honda, if I recall. Um, I thought it was Jin Fukuda. I called. Let me check that out. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll look it up. I'll right. look it up. Uh, but compared to what Jun Fukuda is doing, Ishido Honda it was, was Jun Fukuda. It was Jun Fukuda. Yeah. Um, Ishiro Honda was a little bit more of a mannered filmmaker. You could see him, you know, he had a very definite style. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make sure the monsters were seen very well mm-hmm. and that they had a, a bit of a personality, but were also very outsized, that there were these mm-hmm. kind of godlike creatures while people looked on. Yeah. Uh, once Jun Fukuda was sort of in there, it became more about the fighting and the fun. Yeah. And it is really striking how much these are very clearly tapping into little kid appeal Mm -hmm. and completely ignoring any kind of ideas that these are symbolic films for adults. Because there's almost no like adults who can like access their inner child. Sure. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like any attempt to appeal to a more mature audience in Mm -hmm. this movie in particular, no, no, uh, not really. And, and even the last it. one, Godzilla vs. Gigan, was about mm. an amusement park. And it's yeah. essentially... It at least uh, had like a, a, a narrative and some yeah. intrigue and a bunch of mature like adult characters who talked. That, that's not yeah, really I this guess, movie. <laughs> I guess not. Um, Godzilla vs. Gigan, you could almost say, was like an ad for a Godzilla theme park that was never built. Sure. Uh, this one is 100% Saturday morning cartoon stuff. Mm-hmm. Because... And, and old fact, school stuff before Saturday morning cartoons were like consistently well written, you know. And, and, uh, and I guess the, I I should say yeah, um, Saturday morning cartoon for like particularly our youths of like yeah. the, the late nineteen eighties. Yeah, we had a few well written Saturday morning cartoon shows that were actually like pretty good, had good characters, and but that was not the norm <laughs> for yeah. our generation. It was actually pretty rare that we had. Saturday morning cartoons that were, like, legitimately, like, really good TV. Mm. Um, so, y- your, your generation is spoiled, if you're younger than us, <laughs> and good for you. <laughs> I envy yeah. you. Um, I had to make do with a lot of crap. <laughs> I've seen all of Turbo Teen. That's a uh, story about a guy who turns into a car, and not in a cool way. No, like, his, his body stretches and elongates yeah. until he becomes a, a red convertible. Yeah, L- watch a clip of that online. Just find a gift. It is his, terrifying. And then his girlfriend gets inside him. It's true. Yeah. It's weird. And most of that show is lost media. Yeah. Only a couple episodes, like, in their entirety actually still exist of Turbo Tan. There weren't that many, mm-hmm. but most of them are gone forever, apparently. Yeah. That's what, weird. What a loss. Hey! Uh, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> I I I know that nothing we, should be lost. Forever. I know that we like to archive things, but some things we can just let turn to junk. It's fine. Okay, well you're you're a little more judgy than I am when it comes to that kind of mm. thing, but that's fine. I, I I can't imagine a scenario where 
future generations would really need to comb through every last frame of Turbo Teen to, to uncover something th- about our culture. I'm not asking you to comb through every last frame. I just want it to be available. Yeah, just want it. I just it should be available if anyone wants to look for it. That's all I ask. Um, um, but yeah, we're up to Jet Jaguar. We've been oh, yeah. we've been threatening to talk about Jet Jaguar for a while. Yeah, Jet Jaguar is an interesting creation because most of the monsters that we've seen in these are in-house creations. Uh, people come mm. up with the idea, they come up with the suit, and everything is kind of done behind the scenes. Uh, in addition to Megalon, who is essentially like a really big beetle monster. Big bad Beetleborg. Yeah. In, in slacks. Yeah. And he's, he's got re- really nice khakis. He's got, he's wearing slacks and he's got this like one of those like horn, he's one of those beetles with like a horn on the front. Yeah, rhinoceros beetle. He has rhinoceros beetle. But the way that the horn glows makes it look like he's got like a motel sign strapped to his head and it's just like neon and flashing. <laughs> um, and, but and the drill hands. But that's the that's the villain. And also Gigan shows up in this one again as just sort of mm-hmm. like calling in backup at the last minute. But there's also another uh, hero creature as well, and it is a robot uh, named Jet Jaguar. Jet Jaguar uh, was, was created a, by a kid. Yeah, they actually had uh, a, a contest. Uh, they had a contest, and the contest uh, was, uh, hey, kids, design your own Godzilla character. And the kid who won, they announced it on TV. Uh, the kid who won, actually, it wasn't called Jet Jaguar. It was originally called uh, Red Alone. That's which right. Is, which yeah. is an interesting name. Although apparently it had a few other sort of variations, including Red Aaron, Jet Alone, and Ace Man. Uh, but the original design looks very, very little like the actual design that we got. It actually had like wings and more of like a monster head and monster hands. And then they redesigned it. And apparently the kid was really unhappy because they Aww. redesigned his character and they gave him a different name. It, so it's really kind of only barely that kid's design, but they mostly kept the color scheme. Duh. Yeah. Uh, but uh, by God, they kept the color scheme and they created a robot that is a human-sized robot that can grow to Godzilla's size using the power of determination. <laughs> That's what we're going with today. <laughs> nope. No, wasn't made big, wasn't even made, wasn't even designed to grow big. But by God, that robot was determined, and that's why he grew to 100 feet tall. I, I, that's what we call stick to Tenacity. Yes. Um, there's a... I, I love the phenomenon of when uh, the public, yeah. the people, get to design something that is put into, like, a commercial product. Sure. Uh, it's, you know, the... It, it creates this weird relationship between, uh, like, a, a manufacturer and a consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember this happening with uh, one of the Mega Man games, I believe. Oh, really? Uh, like, the Mega Man one. video games, maybe Mega Man 5, mm-hmm. where they actually, like, held a contest to see, like, to have the the public design, like, enemy robots. Uh, if you know the Mega Man games, you play as a robot named Mega Man, mm. and you fight eight robots that have, like, a different theme. You know, Cloud Man, Lightning Man, Fire Man, that kind right. of stuff. And, uh, yeah, by the time they got to the fifth game, it's like, oh, we, we've made so many of these enemy robots. Just outsource it. We'll let the people design those robots. And, yeah, they, they made it into the game. Imagine how cool it would be to have yours selected. Oh, God. Or or if, you, or if or... you got to win one of those walk-on roles in, like, the mm. He-Man movie. Uh, That'd be which, cool. Which happened... Uh, th- this is an embarrassing one. Uh, a 
kid won a, a walk-on in the Masters of the Universe film that the Dolph Lundgren put one. Out. Yeah. yeah, and he, and he was he was like nine or ten. He was just a kid, and he, he won the contest. Great, he gets to be on set of the movie, and rather than just be on camera, they put him in like a monster costume. Mm. Uh, so they designed this mask for him. They put it over his head, and he's credited as Pig Boy. Which, I mean, come on. You win this contest, you get to be in this movie, and you're Pig Boy. I don't think he chose that either. I think that was yeah. the filmmakers. Uh, there was I mean, also, if, he, if you wanted to be Pig Boy, then great. I guess but. fine. There was also a uh, uh, an episode of Doctor Who called Love and Monsters, uh, which is generally considered one of the worst episodes of Doctor Who, even though I mm. mostly quite like it. Uh, but the monster in that was like created in like a mm. fan contest. Uh, mm. And uh, frankly, it's really... Yeah. quite a bad monster. It just looks like a large guy in a Speedo. <laughs> like, he just sort of running around, ah! <laughs> it, it's, it's not the best monster. Yeah. Granted, Doctor Who has had some pretty crappy monsters uh, over the yeah. years, but, but it's always been like, and it's always been saved by good writing, and I actually mm-hmm. think Love and Monsters is a pretty good Doctor Who episode, but um, yeah, it's not, not the highlight of my monster got turned into a character yeah. on a TV show. Uh, did you ever enter one of those contests? I don't think I ever did. Uh, no. I, I designed an alien species for Star Trek. Ooh, they had, did they have one of those? In in the Deep Space Nine action figures, they had oh. a little little booklet, and you had to draw it in that little booklet and oh. mail in that little thing so yeah i designed it designed an alien species i don't think i ever did that i maybe i did i I really don't recall designed a species that required like refrigerated suits because they lived on like a frozen world that's fine yeah yeah that's cool but anyway uh megalon uh so jaguar is being developed by uh these these two men who i assume are lovers that's what i got out of it too there's these two guys they are we were introduced okay first off here's the opening of the movie uh it is the year 1970x and i love it when they do that sometime in the 1970s vaguely in the future this is from a movie was made in the early 1970s could be made as far out as 1979 who the hell knows they do a second round of underground nuclear tests never mind the first they do a second round and it is felt as far out as Monster Island, and we cut to Godzilla. And by the well, way, the, the nuclear tests are being done off of the Aleutian Islands, yeah. uh, like just off of um, Alaska. It's up in yeah. the North Pacific, and and, uh, yeah, and and it's radiating down to Godzilla, Monster. that's who's like closer to Japan. Yeah, uh, Monster Island is attacked. By the way, this we we forgot to mention this last time. The last film, Godzilla vs. Gigan, was the last film with Haruo uh, Nakajima as Godzilla. That's right, it's a new actor this time. Yeah, and you can tell. This it's, actor yeah. <laughs> this actor he's, he's, really works with his hands a lot. Yeah. This is a very well, and expressive it's, it's also hand a, and arm. His, Godzilla's arms are always up for some reason in this movie. It's really weird. Yeah, he like wiggles his fingers a yeah. lot and like punches through the air a lot. Yeah, I don't uh, know. it's a very different take. It's very also a take. slightly redesigned Godzilla. It's a lot mm. more expressive of a face now, like it, bigger eyes and a. a it looks friendlier. Bit. Yeah, it looks yeah. like this is the friendliest version of Godzilla we've seen. He looks he looks a little Which, muppety. Yeah, and I think it's that muppety look of Godzilla that. Plus Jet Jaguar, plus Megalon, mm-hmm. plus you know whatever the fuck Gigan is. Yeah, uh, that has sort of turned this one into a little bit of a, a cult movie. This yeah. is one that got rerun on American TV a lot. Yeah, but uh, anyway, the, there's a nuclear test. It felt as far off as Monster Island, and Monster Island gets fucked. There's okay, big fissures. Angerus yeah. falls into a. Angerus dies. <laughs> we just had a team up with Angerus. That was like the whole last movie, and Angerus just just. It's like at the beginning of Alien 3 where Newton hits 
just dying at the beginning. I'm like, Angris, no! And then just cuts to Godzilla. We always see like Godzilla like in like this neutral void from like the chest up. Mm. And Godzilla going, ah, no! And there's no subtitles in this one, mm. but you can tell he's going, Angris! Why? Yeah. I will avenge you. We, we were we were just buddies, man. <laughs> did you ever see, did you ever see that one outtake from the Avengers with Kobe Smulders uh, and mm-hmm. uh, she played Maria Hill, uh, one of the Shield agents, and like someone she was like over someone's body. There'd been like an attack by Loki or something, uh, and it's just her going, "Oh no, he's dead. You will be avenged. We will avenge him." <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was just messing around. Yeah, she was messing. Oh, it was okay. an outtake. It was fun. Right. Um. But that's kind of the vibe we get from Godzilla. And then we cut to all dude picnic. Yeah, these Just, these, these two two husbands, I suppose. I, they, uh, that's the vibe. That's the, the vibe. So yeah, they, these two guys are out by a lake, mm-hmm. and their son is out on like the worst paddle boat you've ever seen. But it also it's looks this, really fun. I suppose it's supposed to be this paddle boat's got like a bunch of like plastic dolphins on it. Yeah, like you're riding a big dolphin, and as you like work the pedals with your feet. Other, like, smaller dolphins, like, go in and out of the water mm. around you. It's really hard to describe in words, but if you see it, you go, like, yeah, okay, that's kind of what that is. Uh, there's, uh, there's an earthquake. It looks fun, honestly. Is I really it, uh, want one of those things. There's an earthquake. Uh, the body of water, uh, like, a fissure forms under it, and the body of water just drains. Yeah. And uh, the kid's going to get sucked into this whirlpool. Fortunately, and- they brought their rocket rope. Well, it turns out they're inventors, these guys. Yes. Uh, and so they go back home, kind of nonplussed by the fact that the lake just yeah. drained. They don't comment on it. No, nope, the kid's um, not traumatized or nothing. Oh, we and, just and shot also, our rocket rope uh, and pulled him in and everything's fine. Also, they drive speed buggy. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, they got, they got a little uh, I thought that little, too. little dune buggy. They drive back home and it turns out they've been working on Jet Jaguar. Yeah, and uh, someone has already broke into their house. Yeah, somebody broke into their house, trashed the stuff. Uh, Jet ja- And they, le- they left Jet Jaguar and Jet Jaguar is not complete, doesn't have a head yet. Mm. But uh, they have planted like a little listening device in this guy's apartment. Yeah, whoever whoever and, like uh, uh, broke in, hmm. uh, and they left behind some strange minerals. That's right. And uh, uh, they bro- oh, that's right, they left behind dust from Easter Island. Yeah, which was really mysterious. Uh, which keys into uh, there was a conversation they had while they were driving around in speed buggy. Which God, I wish I could do the speed buggy sound effect. You can do it. It's a... <laughs> Okay, right back. Just do- again, these were the Saturday morning cartoons we grew think, up with. Uh, that was considered cool once. I think you you just have a ringtone to your listeners. You remember Jabberjaw? <laughs> Oh, Imagine God. Scooby-Doo oh, if they were a rock band oh, and Scooby-Doo was a shark here, uh, here, <laughs> that played drums. Here's all I want to say about Jabberjaw. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> anyway, they're talking, they're driving around in Speed Bucky and uh, they, uh, they're they talking about like, oh man, you almost got sucked into like the, the underwater worlds of Lemuria and Moo, mm-hmm. which are like these fictional sort of Atlantis type. Uh, Excuse uh, me, they're not fictional. Hang they're on. They're real. In reality, they're as far real, as we, shut real. up, as far as we know, they're, they're, they're fictional. There's no evidence that they exist. In Godzilla, there is, because in Atragon, That's right. Moo was real. Attacked, and we know that this is canon because Monda came from Atragon, mm. and Monda was on Monster Island. That's right. So they should know about Mu. Mu actually was real and tried to conquer the planet. Turns out, this time we're almost going to be conquered by Lemuria, and they are mad about the nuclear attacks. And no, honestly, I not, can't blame not, them. Not Lemuria. What did I say? Well, they talk about Mu and Lemuria. Yeah, but it's not the Lemurians that are upset about the attack. 
It's the it's it's the denizens of Seatopia. Sorry, yes. The implication and, is that uh, it's Lemuria, and, uh, but they've, I, they've redubbed themselves Seatopia. And the Seatopians are led by Mark Jackson. <laughs> it's the same actor. Is it really? I is, didn't pick yeah. it up. I, I like to think that he his career just took a really weird spin. Yeah. And he became lord of this undersea kingdom. We only ever see him in one room. He's just this middle-aged, balding white guy in a toga. And, and this weird headdress thing. Yeah, like it's really unconvincing. He, he looks like, he doesn't look like the leader of an undersea kingdom. He looks like he just like, it's like he's a middle-aged guy. He's got a big house. He's organized an orgy. And this is what he wears, like, when you ring the bell and to deliver the orgy, their pizzas. Mm. He just shows up in the shirtless toga. <laughs> Hell of a look. <laughs> and, uh, but he, their, their, their plan is to reprogram Jet Jaguar to uh, guide... Th- this is the weirdest so plot. Jet, the, what, Jet Jaguar's weird secret power... Jet Jaguar is just a robot. Just a robot. A very sophisticated robot, sophisticated but a robot. robot. It, it follows instructions. Yeah, it can walk around uh, on its own. It does its stuff. It can. It can fly. Yeah, uh, and evidently, it has some something in it that draws monsters. So you can use Jet Jaguar to no. lead monsters. Place. No, it's not even that. I think they just needed a tour guide, and they figured that these two dads. Are building this? I don't know how even though they know Jet Jaguar exists, mm. like, but they figured out. Oh, these guys are building a robot. That's perfect. We'll use this robot because we're gonna send well, our. We, undersea- we, know, we know the Cetopians know about it because they were spying on them. Why were they spying on them in the first place? I have no fucking exactly idea. Exactly my point. How do they know Jet Jaguar even exists? But by God, they do. The Cetopians, uh, they're going to use Jet Jaguar. They're going to reprogram Jet Jaguar and use it to guide. Their undersea god, who you would think might be an aquatic monster of some kind, but is actually a beetle. Uh, and the, bugs live in the dirt. They live in the dirt. I don't know if they live underwater, but okay, that's fine. And uh, they the they send Megalon, not a Megalodon, would have been cooler. They send Megalon up to the surface of the earth. Megalon pops up, but it turns out Megalon, not very bright. It's just a bug. It's just a bug. It doesn't have like its own personality even. It doesn't have its own agenda. It literally needs to be like dragged around by the nose by Jet Jaguar who starts flying around and like picking valuable military targets. Yeah. Leading leading them to yeah. military bases so Megalon can destroy them. Which he, which it does with a plum. Mm-hmm. Um which makes sense, you know, that they're being destroyed by a military weapon, destroy the military bases in exchange. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not even, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm on Cetopia's side, but I they, they have a point. <laughs> like, they, they were, they well, are the aggrieved party, at least mm-hmm. initially. So I can, I can, I'm fine with that. But like, so that's their plan. That's their whole plan, by the way. Um, and then uh, we we keep cutting back to uh, our two dads and... The Cetopians, like when they try to like break in again and reprogram Jet Jaguar, it turns into a whole thing. One guy runs off and gets into like a big car chase with the Cetopians, yeah. while the other dad and the little kid uh, get kidnapped and thrown into the back of a truck. Uh, never mind why. They they're just back there. They're just back there. They don't need them to like 
fix Jet Jaguar, reprogram Jet Jaguar. We're just getting them out of the way, I guess. What I love about these Seatopians is they're not very well organized because they don't even have their own truck. They have to get independent contractors. <laughs> they bring in their own truck. They throw these this kid and this guy in the back of the truck. And these two guys, and these are just working class stuff. They've literally got porn taped to the back of their truck. And well, There's porn, and they cuss in this movie. <laughs> a little bit of cussing. Like, there, there's, cussing. there's been a couple instances, like somebody will yell shit uh, here yeah. and there. I think the, like there's three times throughout all of these movies, which yeah. is a little shocking. These yeah, kids' it's, it's, movies from the seventies. It's very right? unusual, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, a G rating is cool. A PG rating is very cool. You know? Yeah. Uh, but these uh, these two truckers are just like, yeah, we're gonna go and we're gonna th- shove this tanker into a big ravine, and then Megalon starts attacking. The truckers get really really nervous, and they're <coughs> like, hey, what if we just chuck the truck over a dam? Wouldn't get get the same job done, and that's when the guy pulls out some kind of like Seatopian laser pistol on him, and the truckers attack the guy, kick him out of the truck. We never see him again. He's dead. He falls off a cliff. Yeah, and the truckers. I love this. The truckers try to finish the assignment. They literally <laughs> killed the guy who hired them. But you know what? We were hired to dump this sucker and we're going to dump it over a dam. I don't even know if they th- know if the kids are in there. But while they're doing it, Megalon attacks and then the other dad shows up and he's like, ah! And uh, they try <laughs> to escape. He's, he's, I'm sorry, he's like, what? He's like, ah! Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then they escape and it's a whole thing. Um, the other dad is figured out because he, like, ran into one of the Seatopians, like, what their plan is. So now they have to find Jet Jaguar. They have a control device. This is all around, like, a necklace. Uh, that if they have a line of sight with Jet Jaguar, they can give him new orders. So they have to track him down, and they track him down for a while. And then they finally give him new orders and say, hey, Jet Jaguar. And Jet Jaguar's like, hmm? Jet Jaguar can't talk. Uh, and they say, okay, this whole Megalon thing has gotten way out of hand. Uh, we want you to go to Monster Island... Find Godzilla, bring him here. So Jet Jaguar flies to Monster Island and tells Godzilla via semaphore. Oh yeah, just sort. Of, well, they just sort of wave, and and Godzilla kind of like waves back. It's like this weird sort of like yeah, connection but, uh, between. Yeah, but like, Jet Jaguar is still little at this point. Yeah, still like human size. But like even so, he is doing semaphore. He's doing these very specific arm movements, and oh. Godzilla's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, see, I see. I like what you've done here. Okay. Let's fucking go. And, and then they, they run off to save the day. I, I love the shots of Godzilla swimming, by the <laughs> way. J- just in general throughout these movies, but in this one, it's like this little motorboat head kind of pushing through the ocean. <laughs> it, it's really adorable. It is. Um, Jet Jaguar flies on ahead of Godzilla, because Jet Jaguar can move faster than Godzilla. Godzilla's, Godzilla's got to walk everywhere. I want a Godzilla-mobile. We're, we're not that far off from it. Can you imagine just seeing Godzilla in like a golf cart that's like Godzilla size? You don't need a Godzilla mobile. What you need is like some sort of whale monster that Godzilla can ride on the back of. That would also be cool. Yeah. That would also be cool. I like my Godzilla mobile though. Um, I, like Jaguar, my, I like my whale lord. Jet Jaguar flies on ahead and it encounters Megalon. And Megalon's just been kind of, without any guidance, he's just been sort of futzing around. Hmm. Jet Jaguar looks at Megalon and transforms into a 100 foot tall robot. Bada bing. And. Just expands. Yeah. Like that's the. 
It's and not like not like other pieces don't fly through the air and attach around him. No, he's it's not just... a transformer or anything like that. Nothing. He just boom, magic, huge. And his creators are looking at this and they're seeing that Jet Jaguar is doing two things. First off, he's a hundred feet tall now. Secondly, he is operating autonomously. Jet Jaguar has somehow, never mind how, become sentient. Yeah, not listening to orders. No, and has decided to fight Megalon himself because Godzilla can't be here yet. He's gonna hold up. He's gonna hold the fort. Hmm. And our his creators are like, "Wow, he we he became sentient and grew big through the power of again determination." <clears throat> People need to be more determined. Is what I'm learning here. Like, if I could, I if I was like really determined, could I do that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so clearly, that's the thing. I've clearly, never been... your your determination levels have just stayed really low. Oh, it's one of those... We've all just failed. That's what I'm learning from movies like this. That's one of those things where it's like you know they say that kind of like you know this this magical thing runs on the power of courage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Green Lantern, a superhero I know you find very laughable. Yeah. Um, he has a magic. Well, it's not magic. It's a, like space science, but essentially magic. Uh, ring. It's a green ring, and he can use it to create. Uh, anything he wants out of green energy. Hmm. Uh, and it runs on the power of willpower. So it's very it, Nietzschean. It's right? very you're, Nietzschean. Your, your, your will to power. Right? Is, like, okay. you're, yeah, like, uh, I, it's, it's my, I have so much will. Hmm. And it's like, what? <laughs> you're telling me, I think, what? Like, there's this one bit, there's well, this one and, comic and there, where, like... There's, like, different color rings, and each color is run by, like, some different concept, yeah. right? Yeah, like, uh, red is hatred, right. uh, uh, orange is greed, um, uh, it's, ma- like, yeah. ma- I think it's, like, magenta is love, or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, indigo is empathy, or something, but, like, there's a whole bunch. Uh, blue is hope. Alright. Uh, but there's, like, this one bit where... Like, the Green Lantern was on the ropes, and the Green Arrow tried to put on the ring and use it to save their lives. Mm. And it's like, he required so much willpower, he was, like, screaming, and all he could produce was, like, one little arrow. And I'm like, I feel like he used a lot of willpower. I don't understand what exactly... What? How is willpower gauged? And, like, what is, what yeah. is like, a unit of willpower? You know? Like, mm, it, it's uh, one of those things that's... One, it, one, one lantern... I suppose. Uh, Green Arrow had Green Arrow had like five lanterns worth of willpower. Ooh, that's Whereas quite a lot. The, that the is. green the Green Lantern has like green, a, at least a thousand. Oh yeah. Oh, you mean the Green Arrow had five? Green Arrow had five. Yeah, green yeah. Lantern has like thousands. Yeah, sure. My point is this: it's weird and arbitrary, and the more you think about it, the more it falls apart. But it's Jet Jaguar, so who gives a shit? Look, it, it, it's all based on your midichlorian count. <laughs> Jet Jaguar, by the way, we haven't really talked about his design. It's clearly just a guy, and he's wearing like a, um, like a di- like a like what got like you- a pu- puffy. It almost looks like um a snow jacket. It, it, it or looks like Michelin Man kind I, of thing. It's my understanding that what they did was they took one of those like skin tight like you know scuba suits, and they like spray painted it so they look kind of silvery and, and whatever, okay. and then they just strapped stuff onto it. Mm. And, and he looks like a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. He's got like a, a shark fin on the back of his head. Yeah. And, and he's got big, these... Big, 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 angry-looking face. It's like a weird eyes. angry face. He's got these black, sunken eyes, and he's got a, like, rictus smile. Like, you know those, like, Batman comics where the Joker's smile is, like, unnaturally huge? Well, imagine that if it was made of metal. 
Yeah. That's not a heroic face. You made that... You, why, why did we make him... I'm imagining we made Jet Jaguar. Why did we make him scary? What? Why did we do that? Also, maybe, I was, maybe it was an attempt to like make him like threatening. Somehow. Maybe. I don't know. I will say this. This is one of those ones where it's like... There's a, there's a thing that a lot of like modern superhero movies do where you know they try to come up with some justification for why they have like a superhero name. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was uh, the press got away from it, or it was a turn of it's like a nickname that just caught on. Uh, and of course, there's always and I was like, ugh, I can't believe they're gonna call me Spider Man or some bullshit like that. Well, that that's yeah. they, they do that in the Avengers movies all the time. Yeah, that's like I mean. that's that's a joke they've repeated like yeah. thirty times over at this point. It feels like Marvel is like kind of ashamed of itself. Like I feel like mm. th- that was one of the vibes that they had with like Iron Man in particular was like we know. Like, we know this is ridiculous, but the characters are a little aware of it as well, and that's how uh, we're going to get away with it. But 30 movies in, mm. it's okay to just have a superhero name. You don't have to make fun of it every time. Because at this point, you're just just undermining your own brand. Ever since Killian Murphy uh, said uh, Batman the way he did in Batman Begins. The Batman. He's here. What is it? The Batman. Man, like he's trying, like he made up the word for the first time. I, I actually love him for that. <laughs> no, I, and I like it in that instance, it's so but it's like it's such a such a notable moment. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, what if somebody will have to say the superhero name for the first time at yeah. some point? I, was that the first time they said it in that movie? Uh, it's the first time they said like Batman. Really? Yeah, okay, yeah. That, that probably it sounds right. Yeah, okay, Cause, but because he didn't call himself Batman, he just wanted no. to dress like a bat and be scary. Yeah, someone had to call him something. Um, the uh, uh, but. They've created this robot. This is earlier in the film. And they're like, oh, what a great robot. We should call him Jet Jaguar. And they're like, yeah, that's a great name. What? Doesn't look like a Jaguar. Doesn't look like a jet. Doesn't look like a Jaguar. A jet flies. I get that I, part. I guess a little. This is one of those things where before I knew the full story of how... I knew Jet Jaguar was like part of like a, a kid created it. Mm. So I assumed that was just a cool name a kid came up with. Like, it sounds cool to a little kid, right? Mm. Jet Jaguar sounds neat. Uh, I assumed that was the kid... Named it. No, mm. the kid named it something else. The kid named it Red Alone. Which yeah. is a, a strange name. And for a moment, I thought, because when Marvel Comics had Godzilla in, like, the 1970s, they created a, like, a giant mecha that was designed to fight Godzilla called Red Ronin. Mm. And for a second, I was like, oh, was, Red, was that the basis for Red Ronin as well? Turns out it's a separate thing. But, um... So, yeah. So, Jet Jaguar... And, and they could have justified it within the movie. There's a little kid there. Mm, with just, them the whole time could have been like hey kid, kid what should we call it call it jet jaguar that's cool that's I, great I like jet the, jaguar i guess uh, i don't know there's a scene early on uh, the little kid is also an engineer and he's yeah. like building this like little tiny bike like, oh yeah motorcycle for those little pocket motorcycles yeah and they, they actually have those yeah pretty cool they're, they're neat yeah I, I i like that this whole family is like they're a family of inventors they yeah. all invent cool stuff that's fun it's like uh it's like johnny quest if no one was a deeply irresponsible parent um Anyway, uh, Jet Jaguar is fighting Megalon. He's holding his own pretty good. But the problem is, is that once they start fighting like Jet Jaguar, the Cetopians are like, oh, no. And they call Godzilla and Jet Jaguars. Okay, so this is a whole thing. Um, we need some backup. We need some backup. Could someone call Gigan? And they the, just in call co- his nebula. <laughs> well, if, if you recall, Gigan was in control of a species of space aliens. Uh-huh. Or I, I thought he worked Gigans. for them, but okay. Uh, he was in the employ of these yeah. space aliens. So, turns out, the Cetopians have yeah. that alien species 
phone number. Yeah. They call him up and they just say, hey, could, could we get a get a space alien assist here? And they say, sure. And they send Gigan the, the M Space Hunter Nebula. That's where Gigan lives. M Space Hunter and Nebula. And I guess his number is, is listed. <laughs> you could just get him on the phone. And Gigan's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything else. I want to beat up that Godzilla guy yes. again. So Gigan shows up. And Gigan, once again, and I love Gigan. I love Guy Guy. He's such an asshole. This is the first kaiju I've ever seen. I've never seen it. I don't think it... Correct me if I'm wrong. Hmm. This is the first kaiju I've ever seen in a movie who took a hostage. He grabs Jet Jaguar by the <laughs> neck. And it's like Jeff Daniels at the beginning of Speed when Dennis Hopper is like trying to get away with him. And he's got his hook up to Jet Jaguar. It's like, don't do it, Godzilla. Oh, I'll kill him. I'll kill him. Godzilla's like, oh no, Jet Jaguar. What? <laughs> is, is Jet Jaguar even alive? Uh, do yeah. I... Are we friends? I don't know. Um, that just made me laugh. I get such a dick. Um, but uh, See, so so guy again. King, King Ghidorah has like yeah. a menace, like a yeah. big threatening space deity. Yeah, yeah. Gigan is just like a, a schoolyard bully. He's just yeah. an asshole. Yeah, like more so than Gabara. Gabara was you know a symbol. Oh, Who cares uh, about Gabara? Oh, by the way, I love all the shots of Godzilla in this movie because there's a lot of shots of Godzilla, as I mentioned before, that's just like him from like the neck up. And he looks yeah. like Oscar the Grouch in a garbage can, basically. Like, what's underneath yeah. there? He's not wearing the legs today. We cheaped out. No, um, they didn't cheap out. They actually shot that one. No, no, I know. But, like, it looks like uh, when they shot those shots, yeah. he probably wasn't wearing the legs. Yeah, man. And there's... When, when Jet Jaguar shows up... I forgot I wrote this down. When Jet Jaguar shows up to Monster Island... What Godzilla is doing, because usually it's like, oh, what am I doing? What am, how am I occupying myself before this character walks into the scene? Because I'm clearly here doing something. I have my own life. Godzilla is literally standing there with his hands folded together like he's waiting patiently. He's sit, he just he's like, literally twiddling his thumbs. I saw that as a, a moment of mourning. <laughs> Because it's just sad sitting there thinking Anger about all the good no. times anger he had with oh, anger. Man. I'm gonna miss that guy. Oh, I'm gonna miss that guy. Yours, we, we things started out so bad, but then they got so good. Yeah. Anyway, Jet Jaguar, they're fighting the guy. Uh, Jet Jaguar gets dizzy, which is a weird thing to design a robot to be able to do. Uh, we cut to Godzilla walking to. Uh, he's out of the ocean and he's walking to the fight. For a very long time, like it feels like they, there, keep, a, they a, this movie's like eighty minutes, and there's a lot of wheels spinning, there's a it, lot yeah. of padding, and he's just walking, and like the kids going, "Hey, Godzilla's here!" Yay! And Godzilla's like kind of he's doing that thing he did last time, where when he enters the scene, he's like holding up his arms, like he's trying to get the crowd worked up at a wrestling match, at a wrestling match. Godzilla shows up, and uh, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of fighting. They they, well, they, they sure do the fun. Uh, Godzilla and uh, Jet Jaguar get surrounded in a circle by fire. And then for a moment, they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, I'm a robot and you're Godzilla. So who gives a shit? We're going to walk through this. <laughs> we have established before on multiple occasions that Godzilla isn't afraid of fire. <laughs> We're just going to move on. <laughs> so they jump out of it. Um there's a whole lot of fighting. Godzilla's on the ropes for a minute. And then there's a couple uh, of uh, fun moves, but the absolute best one is where uh, Jet Jaguar grabs, I think it's Megalon, mm. and Godzilla walks away, 
turns around, gives Jet Jaguar the peace sign. Yeah. And Jet Jaguar nods. And then Godzilla does a flying jump kick while sliding on his tail. Yeah. Uh, which is actually was in uh, the opening credits mm-hmm. for Mr. Sansuda 3000 for yeah, a while there. It, for many years it was yeah. it was the opening credits. It's, it's kind of been immortalized, which is funny because the version of the movie that they uh, riffed on, which was the English language dub, which was inaccurately believed to be in the public domain for a while. So they, they had to they put it out on home video, like they yeah. released it on home video, and then to- to- Toho said, you can't do that, that's yeah. our movie. So, there's actually- so they pulled it. So if you have the DVD box set with mm-hmm. the Godzilla movies in it... That's very rare. Those are really rare and probably really like, valuable. That was, it's it's why one of them of was called, uh, like, what, it was like volume 9 or 10, Yeah. and they had to pull it, and they re-released it with a different movie. It was King Dinosaur. It was King Dinosaur, and yeah. that's like box set they called it like 9.2 or, or that's 10. the one i have yeah yeah I, I was never able to get the the rare gods oh yeah one. i can only imagine but uh yeah so that's fun it's hard to find online too but it is out there if you like uh but yeah they don't have the right to release that one um but yeah it's just this incredibly absurd shot of Godzilla, mm. and he does it multiple times yeah <laughs> it was so nice we did it thrice <laughs> Oh my god! It it, lo- it looks like, I mean, it just looks really silly. It looks like Godzilla's out of control. Yeah, like Godzilla's thrown through the air. I assume because I'd never seen the movie, mm. uh, and they didn't really re-air this episode a lot on MST3K. So I'm, I'm familiar with that shot. I've seen that shot a million times because I've watched MST3K mm. a lot over the years. Um, I assumed that was Godzilla like on the ropes somehow. I didn't realize that was his super move. That, that was his that was his drop kick. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, what a delight! <laughs> anyway, they they guy Gan fucks off. He like escapes yeah. and flies away. Uh, we don't see him again for a long ass time though, which is a shame. Um, That's true. Uh, there's two films left in the Showa era. Only two are coming up at the end here. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, Gigan isn't in either of no, them. Gigan I think shows up again in like Final Wars or something. Um, but it's been so it's gonna be a while. Definitely Final because they all showed up in Final Wars. Yeah. That was the idea, but um. Yeah, that, that movie came out in two thousand four. Yeah, like, yeah a lot of time. Line. I think Gigan showed up in at least one. I know, more time. I know, showed up like one or two more times. I just yeah. don't have money, but in any case, we'll see him again. Good, um, but uh, yeah, and and they defeat Megalon. Megalon decides to like go back to the center of the earth, and the Seatopians are like, "All right, seal him up, seal it up. All right, this this was all a mistake. We really didn't think this through. Why did we rely on the on the hero robot? We we could have just." What were we thinking? <laughs> what was the plan? Also, we had Gigan. <laughs> Why didn't we just call Gigan in the first place? You know what? For they, God's they, sake. They have their own monster. I they use their own monster first. But they couldn't use their own monster. They had to outsource a tour guide. Like, <laughs> just get Gigan <laughs> to be the tour guide. Come on. He knows where he's. He knows what to fight. So, the Cetopians lose. Uh, Godzilla walks away. Vaguely triumphant. Oh, he handshakes Jet Jaguar. The, the, yeah, they shake hands. It's weird to see Godzilla, Godzilla doing just like outright hum, people stuff. stuff. There, like, there's like a the really, culture of humanity when, when Godzilla does it is weird. One of the best Godzilla photos was one of the publicity photos for this movie mm. because it's all four monsters just sort of standing mm. around, and they they look like they're at like they're at a party, like they're yeah. dancing. They're like, like their arms are up and they're kind of like leaning around. They look like somebody just told a joke and like they're, they caught this like really natural shot of Godzilla kind of laughing a little bit. <laughs> like it, 
look up the publicity shots for Godzilla vs. Megalon, because, yeah, that one photo is just so great. Before I forget, did you notice the part in the fight where just Jet Jaguar's flying, and Gigan can also fly, and he's trying to fly away, and Jet Jaguar flies over Gigan and severs the wire? <laughs> Holding Gigan. Oh, I didn't up. notice that. He's like, that's this whole move. He's, he severs the wire holding Gigan up. So Gigan just falls like a stone. It's so great. I don't know if that was intentional. I, I thought what. it was it's, like they crashed no, into him. But yeah. that, that, that probably was what they were going for, but it looks like he just severed the wire, like wow. in a Looney Tune or something. Unbelievable. Anyway, Godzilla leaves. Everyone's very thankful for Godzilla. Jet Jaguar returns back to human size. And, and there's a song. Before we get to the song, they say, oh, Jet Jaguar is human size again. That's great. Oh, no, he's not sentient anymore. I guess he's only sentient when he's fighting giant monsters. And then they <laughs> leave right. and he, the kid wears like the kid like great piggyback on Jet Jaguar. And I'm like, poor Jet Jaguar. Can you imagine? That's the only time you're sentient is when you're committing acts of violence. It's a... Uh... It's a weird, kind of a bitter pill. Dark, or? dark, tragic thing. It's like yeah. a Frank Miller conceit. Yeah, like but then Miller. there's a then there's a heroic. Uh, Fra- Frank Miller song. did Swamp Thing, right? No, Frank Miller did not do Swamp Thing. Frank Miller did The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Frank Miller did Sin City. It's who, very, who did like the the new tragic, like the dark version of the Swamp Thing? Oh, the one who like re- it was Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Okay. Yeah, Alan Moore. Sorry, I mixed up who, Frank Miller and Alan Moore. Yeah, before that. Alan Moore came on Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing was a story about a scientist who was like investigating swamp plants and like mm-hmm. had chemicals, and then the chemicals he, got he on him, and he, thing, and he yeah. became a Swamp Thing. And Alan Moore's conceit was that it was actually never that guy; <laughs> it was the swamp. That yeah, like a, with, the, the swamp rose up yeah. uh, after and, and convinced and formed into it was, the shape of a human. Yeah, and, and was convinced that it was human, even though it was not. And mm. once it revealed itself, it like sent it into an existential crisis. Great fucking comic, <laughs> really. It sounds super weird, like it shouldn't work. It works great. Um, anyway, uh, there's a big heroic Jet Jaguar song, and we're out. I, there, <laughs> At the end, the, basically the end. It's a very insipid film. Oh, There's yeah. less plot than ever before. But I think the thing that bugs me the most about this movie is the score. The score oh, yeah. is abysmal. Everything is like light, boring, happy jazz. And and this is even the villain music is weirdly non-dramatic. And they don't even use Godzilla's classic theme, which would be okay if they replaced it with something cool, but it's like the theme you would imagine Godzilla would be like hearing in his head as he was stuck in traffic. Like, it's just so non-committal and bad. It's just bad. I, I really was annoyed every time <laughs> the musical score came out, which of course was all throughout the movie. Uh-huh. It never seemed to fit and not even in an ironic way. It never seemed to fit what was actually going on. There's like, around the time there's actually the fighting, it turns into something more of a conventional score and kind of underscores the fighting. But like, the car chases have weird music. Godzilla's, like, the cavalry charge is coming. is just not exciting at all. Really didn't work for me. Well, I would, I think we're a long way from Akira Ifukube, who did... Mm like the famous Godzilla score from, mm. from a lot of these movies. Who did the music for this movie? I don't know. Riichiro Manabe. Not, okay. not familiar. Uh, 
see, did a lot of science fiction movies from mm. like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Mm. Um, I don't, Anything know, I don't know any of these movies. Okay. Um, I'll take a look as well. The but... Vampire Doll. I've heard of that movie. I have heard of that movie. Lake of Dracula. That's a good title. That's a great title. Oh, my God. Oh, he uh, also did Godzilla vs. Hedera. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So it was we we just saw him again. And did... Godzilla vs. Hedera had kind of good music. Uh, so I oh, did a... Wolf Guy, too. That's I was about cool. to say, did a movie called Wolf Guy. Yeah. Uh, Wolf Guy was uh, based on a manga. Uh, and it's uh, I've, I've actually seen that. It's pretty well. Um so yeah, so I, I I don't blame him because I think the score for Hitler was actually quite good. Uh, I assume he was told to like make it really pl- plinky and light, and, make it yeah. chill. I want the most chill vibes Godzilla movie ever, and I'm like I don't know how that's conducive to like excitement, but okay. Well, if it was chill in like that like '60s lounge kind of a way, or it's yeah. really kind of. Yeah, like Godzilla less, has his less. own talk show and he's just walking around with a martini interviewing Dean Martin. Well, uh, you yeah, know? It was, you know, you got like some some organ in there. Yeah. That piece of music called Patricia, by the way, was in using La Dolce Vita. Yeah. Um when this movie aired in America, it was uh, we had a theatrical release. It was apparently did pretty well. And uh, some people credit this movie as one of the reasons why uh, a lot of Americans look at kaiju movies and assume they're all campy. Yeah, this one certainly is. Oh, it's very camp. Um, and I'm, I'm not, it's not even like... I don't think it's particularly good camp. It, this is one of my least favorite that we've seen so far. But I can appreciate what it's doing and that it has this sort of like yeah, well, childlike entertainment value. Yeah. It, it, it's okay. It just doesn't work for me. When it aired on television... They did something really weird. They cut it down to 41 minutes. It's like half the length. Half the length. It's only like 120. And the, granted, there's a lot of padding. You could probably still get the Sick. gist of it, but it's still butchering the movie. And they had it hosted by John Belushi in a Godzilla costume. Yeah, see, the, the, the view of these Godzilla movies, this is proof positive. Yeah. That American audiences were accepting most of these as camp. Yeah. And they were sold for many years as high camp. And yeah. they were... I mean, look at something like War of the Gargantuas. Yeah. Which, you know, is very beloved by, you know, like, Devo. Yeah. Like, they, they were seeing something, like, kind of kitschy and, and fringy. Yeah. When, uh, in Japan, these were, like, just straight genre these entertainment. Just movies. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I don't know how, you know, surely there was a contingent of critics in Japan who thought, oh, these are just, you know, silly tokusatsu kids' <laughs> entertainment. Yeah. This, is, this isn't classy stuff. But it was pretty mainstream. I, I know that there are... Sadly, I don't have a source on this, but I know that there were uh, there were some critic critics in Japan who were a little bit baffled by the friendship between Ishida Honda and Kurosawa. They, yeah, they worked together a couple times. That's that's just being classist. It's, it, well, yeah, it's just, oh, this guy makes monster movies and this guy makes mm-hmm. samurai movies. Well, why are they friends? Well, can, what? <laughs> Come on. Can, can, so that's so crap. Like I know, like like Spielberg and Kubrick hung out. Like they, they yeah. were friends, um, and they make very different kinds of then, movies. But of course, they'd have a lot to but, talk about. But could you could you imagine if like actually I was about to say could you imagine if uh, Werner Herzog hung out with Brett Ratner? But I could kind of see that. I mean, because he made that movie with Zach Penn. 
He did, he did, and that was actually Incident at Loch Ness is a pretty fun movie. It's a very fun, if you've never seen it, Incident at Loch Ness is a fake documentary in which Zach Penn, who... The the uh, blockbuster screenwriter. Yeah, he has got a co-writing credit on Avengers and a whole bunch of other, like, very, very mainstream movies. And uh, I think he also wrote, like, X-Men The Last Stand or something. Mm. And um, he wrote and directed and starred in a movie called Incident at Loch Ness where he was using all of his Hollywood cloud to produce a documentary directed and hosted by Werner Herzog about the Loch Ness Monster and sort of the legend of the Loch Ness Monster. What does it mean that we are interested in the Loch Ness Monster? Mm. And they decide to they go to Loch Ness to film it. Makes sense. They get a boat, makes sense. And while they're on the boat, Zach Penn is trying to make shit happen. Like he's trying he's like to make f- it faking monster stuff yeah. and trying and to make like it more sensational. H- hiring like extremely sexy people to do banal tasks just so that they'll film better. And he's got like a fake monster in the lake. And just when Werner Herzog has lost it and is, like, is completely done with this absolute hack project. Werner Herzog is attacked by the actual Loch Ness Monster. (laughs) And that right there, I don't know why this movie isn't talked about more. The concept (laughs) alone is good. But the movie is actually quite good. It's it's pretty good. It's a solid movie all around. Like, it's really very fun. Um, Yeah, but that's... But you're right. Like, they made a project together and it was fun. I'm not going to police who anyone's friend is, and I'm no. certainly not going to assume that because one person makes one kind of movie and another person makes another kind of movie that they shouldn't be friends. Yeah. That would be like saying, like, I don't know, like, I, I it would be like, we, we shouldn't be friends because you write for different outlets. Who gives I, a I'm shit? Wondering... You know? I, I wish there were, like, more filmmakers with, like, really disparate filmographies who were friends and who would occasionally swap projects. Yeah, that would be fun. That'd be really nice. Yeah. We got uh, mm. Paul Thomas Anderson and... Oh. Like, you could see him swapping a project with, like... Christopher Nolan or, or well, Quentin was, Tarantino. Well, that, but, but could, that's could obvious. You, but could like, you see him swapping projects with, like, Anthony and Joe Russo? You know, the, the well, Avengers guys. Maybe, but I'm, I was thinking about just going, like, even, like, further outside the, the pale. And I just, I'm totally blanking. Who, who directs all those Adam Sandler movies? Oh, Dennis Dugan. Dennis Dugan. Switch. <laughs> P.T. Anderson. Dennis Dugan. Listen, Dennis Dugan. Listen, I'm going to make You Don't Mess With the Zohan 2... And you're going to make Phantom Thread. And let's just see how it goes. Let's just see how it goes. We won't change each other's scripts. We'll do it totally straight. Fun. Oh, God. You you could picture Adam Sandler playing the Daniel Day-Lewis role. I actually can picture that. It'd be a very different tone. Yeah. I can absolutely imagine that movie. Adam Sandler (laughs) playing a very, (laughs) a very uptight, very, like, like, eccentric fashion designer. That sounds like something he'd have done. Something he would have done anyway. It's very, very right up their alley. I want a really big breakfast! (laughs) Remember, um, South Park had that whole bit about Rob Schneider movies? Because there was this oh, moment where that, but, there yeah. was this moment where in, in time where Rob Schneider was starring in a lot of like and they weren't very good and they didn't make a lot of money, but they were profitable. So there was this whole thing where Rob Schneider is something. Like, Rob Schneider is the animal, and he got in, like, a car accident in order to save his life. They use, like, some animal parts, and now he's kind of, like, depending on the day, he acts like a different kind of animal. Or Rob Schneider is the hot chick, Mm. where he swaps brains with, um... Not Rachel McAdams. It's Rachel McAdams. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and, uh... 
yeah, so now he is acting like a very teenage girl because she's in his head. From what I understand, he gives a good performance in that movie. I actually like that movie because that movie is actually like weirdly, like unexpectedly progressive <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's, that, of all of Rob Schneider's filmography, I think that's the one that's probably the best. But um, it was such a formula that South Park did like a series of like fake commercials and one of their things. Yeah. Rob Schneider never used to like to eat carrots, but oh, then no. one day he ate a magic carrot, and now Rob Schneider is the carrot. He just becomes a character. Yeah, you just see him as a character, and he's like running around, and like he's running from rabbits and things. And then finally, they do a whole bunch of those. Like, Rob Schneider wasn't very good at his job, until one day, he got a magic stapler. Rob Schneider is the stapler. Oh, no. And then they ended it with, Rob Schneider, dirty, 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 dirt. De dirty, dirty, dirt. De dirty, dirt. Rob Schneider is dir. From the makers of dir. And dumb diddly doodly do. It's like the, those... Gibberish improv exercises. Basically, can, can you communicate a scene when you're just sort of mumbling. Well, because movie trailers have a cadence. Yeah, and we all are familiar with the rhythms. And every once in a while, one breaks them, and it's very exciting. But it's basically, you know, introduce the world, introduce the character and their status quo, introduce the twist, show a bit of business, add something that like kicks the story into high gear, cut to a montage. There'll be whatever exciting action moments you have, even if it's not an action movie, will be in the montage. Whatever moment of even vague sexiness will be in there, even if it's totally exists in isolation and is only three frames long. And then name, mm. title, one last line. Like, there's a formula. Godzilla is interesting because it's like... Ishiro Honda didn't want there to be a formula. He was constantly trying to like change genres, change mm -hmm. tone, change the amount of time Godzilla is in the movie, change whether Godzilla is an active participant or a begrudging participant. Uh, is Godzilla the villain? Is he the hero? He was constantly changing it. And you gotta love him for that. Yeah, yeah. You do. And I think Jim Fukuda is much more excited to just have a formula. Have the mayhem, man. Yeah, there, there would be some people, uh, monster attacks... And then the monster attacks a lot. And then Godzilla, who is, starts off on Monster Island, is informed of the attack in some way. And slowly makes his way to Japan or wherever the monsters are for the big fight at the end. And we just keep cutting back to him. When's Godzilla going to get here? And I'm like, it's fine. I don't find it a particularly interesting formula. I don't mm -hmm. think it's a very dynamic formula. Where it like allows for like you you really have to like inject it with character, like the characters in this formula need to be interesting yeah. in order for that I think to survive. And I think Godzilla versus Gigan did fine, honestly. I think it, it had enough interesting character, it had enough personality on its own that even the formula didn't really hurt it. Here it's all formula. If you're not absolutely in love with Jet Jaguar, there's really not much here. <laughs> And I don't know anyone who's in love with Jet Jaguar. I mean, I know I'm Jet Jaguar's been like reused yeah. since and like been made maybe more interesting, but not but I here. think Jet Jaguar is one of those things where like he became popular because people hate him. Yeah, it's like a, it, wouldn't it be funny if we brought back Jet Jaguar? You know, that, yeah. that sort of thing. And of course, Jet Jaguar, you know, looks a bit like Ultraman as part of that sort of tradition. Yeah, the, the, the giant know. robot thing. And Ultraman had been around. Yeah. Since as long as Godzilla, I think. And I know that and the next movie we're going to be doing is Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Or is it Godzilla meets Mechagodzilla? Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. It's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. 
And that's Godzilla fighting a Godzilla robot. Great premise. Mechagodzilla is my hero. Oh, Mechagodzilla kicks ass. Uh, Mechagodzilla was always my favorite. I had a Mechagodzilla toy when I was a kid. It was very cool. Um, But it's weird to me that we haven't had a big big robot until now. Because that feels like the kind of thing that, like... Again, I think Pacific Rim has made this kind of, like, a duh. Yeah. But, like, even... When I was younger, and you would see Ultraman, he's just this big robot. I think he's an alien, but he's this big robot-looking dude fighting monsters. You would think well, writing a storyline in which someone creates a big robot to fight Godzilla or save mm-hmm. Japan from monsters or something. It's weird that we did all these other things without ever getting to that. It seems like such well, the, the obvious choice. The the uh, the giant robot genre, yeah, was I, I think just slightly different from the giant monster genre. It's like um, I think it's, it's it's like you know it, it, monster space alien. Like think of mm-hmm. like the xenomorph. Now imagine if Dracula was in a xenomorph movie. It would feel a little <laughs> odd. It's like called Dracula three thousand. Just go with me here, all right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that sort of thing has been done, and there's yeah. like sort of comic books that likes to yeah. do sort of salacious crossovers. But uh, yeah, there's like just a slightly different flavor of monster. Godzilla is a nuclear animal. Mm-hmm. Robots are science fiction creatures, and we've had plenty of science fiction before. We had mm-hmm. you know the Atragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, had the plenty of aliens and a lot yeah. of space aliens. But yeah, yeah but like, we have a Chechakwar now, so clearly it's not that far gone. I, I suppose so. Uh, I think maybe the filmmakers finally started to see, like, display a little bit of restraint in these things. Oh, by, that's what this movie has. By not, by not having robots. What I mean, uh, because okay. if Godzilla is the result of man's mechanized weapon force, mm-hmm. it would be kind of ironic to have Godzilla team up with a mechanized robot, which is actually what happens here. This is why we're kind yeah. of kind of at the end of. Godzilla, we're really mm. petering out here, but we're still going to reach a high because one of my favorites is next week. Yeah, Godzilla we're talking versus about Godzilla Mecha Godzilla. This one I've actually seen. I actually do like this one, and I'm um, looking forward to getting to it next yeah, week. On Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla, and King Caesar. Yes, <laughs> King Caesar is a fun one. It's a great name too. Uh, we will be reviewing that next week on Thank Godzilla. It's Friday, or if you are listening to this episode on our main podcast feed on Red Circle, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can listen to it right now if you're a patron. Uh, patrons get our I Thank Godzilla It's Friday episodes one week early. And this is at any tier, even $1 a month. You get, an, you get them a week early. So you can head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. You get to listen to the new episodes ad-free. You get TJIF a week early. And you get a lot of exclusive shows as well. So a huge thank you to all of our patrons. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, you're the best. Uh, also, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, uh, you can write in. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, and our P.O. Box is? Uh, critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done one of those. I want to do like one really big one before the end of the month. So we'll try to get that done real soon. Uh, and um, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for joining us. We're on social media at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And until next time, Rower. Rower.